Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Good morning. Stand with me if you would, please. Hold your Bibles up and all of you at home, hold them up too. I can see you're not doing it. All right. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God and I boldly confess my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, and I'll never be the same again. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Yeah, good stuff. Well, just uh, fighting through some stuff this morning, so I'm sitting down. I won't say hi to you or get too close. It's not COVID. Don't get it. I mean, whatever happened to the good old common cold? So anyway, uh, I'm there and uh, fighting through and uh, decided I would come to church. Yeah. So, yeah, this is, I love you too. You know, I'm preaching this series on being the master of your storms. I'm getting to live it. And so, and, and today's title is Don't Be a Storm Chaser, and God brewed one up. Uh, so, it's just been one of those very successful mornings. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I, I began this series talking about when you're going through something in your life. And the tendency, especially if we've caused our storm, is to not tell anybody about it because we would have to tell them it's our fault. Uh, I'm, I'm the reason for the storm, so I'm embarrassed, I'm ashamed to tell you, I'm going through what I'm going through because I made some bad choices. <clears throat> so we hide out, which is exactly what the devil wants you to do, is hide out and, and not let anybody know and suffer alone and, and get discouraged and get depressed and before you know it, uh, you're not any good to yourself or anybody else. So the first thing was to reach out, don't be ashamed, everybody makes mistakes, everybody has uh, trouble in their life and some of it, some of those troubles we caused ourselves and, and others, somehow we got caught up in the vortex of somebody else's stupidity. You probably won't hear that many places today. Anyway, so, uh, you know, the next thing is, is when you're going through a storm, Maintain routines that you can maintain. Um, sometimes when a storm blows in, and, and yeah, there are sometimes you have to stop. But you, you know, a lot of times, for instance, the last two years we had this this storm blow through called COVID, and and many people, uh, you know, we were told to quarantine, stay home, and all that. I'm not not arguing that point, but what happened was. Uh, many people got out of the routine of worshiping, going to church, serving, doing all those things. I'm not mad at you, and, and that doesn't mean you're not a Christian. But the reality is you're never as good alone as you are with other people. Um, you, you have the chance to serve people. You have a chance to sharpen yourself and grow and be a part of other people's lives who are going through things uh, that God might use you to help them. And so this is the third and fourth point in this series, and, and the book is available, and I'm not preaching directly from it, but many years ago wrote this called Mastering Your Storms, and uh, it, I didn't know that I would have to use it, but I did, and uh, it's one of those books that you just keep around because it never goes out of date. It's, there are always going to be storms. So today, I want to talk to us about realizing what storms are ours and what storms are not ours. Uh, there are people who are literally storm chasers. You just go around looking for drama. 
and you know, it's unfair, ladies, that we've used the words drama queen when there are just as many drama kings. So it's been very unfair to you, and I apologize on behalf of uh, men, because uh, I know about as many drama kings as I do drama queens, and uh, there are people who just really thrive on creating storms, and uh they, they, can't, they can't live a peaceful life. They think if they're not fighting through something that they're not a good Christian. And that's called religion. That's not called Christianity. It's called religion. That if you're not fighting through, you're not really a good Christian. And uh, I, I want to be a good Christian that doesn't have to have storms every day. You know, I, I don't even want to have them every week or every month. I don't want to have them every year. You know, I want to I live that peaceful life. But as long as there are driver's license. There will be storms. Because I'm telling you, DMV is giving them away like candy at Kmart. And they're bankrupt. Okay, so uh, here are some things. These are what I call storm starters. These are things you don't want to do because this, this means that uh, you're, you're, you're creating storms. They're not yours, but you're creating them. Number one, very simple. You all know this. Don't ask someone how old they are. Very simple. Uh, you know, just don't do that. Because if they tell you a certain age, does that mean you're not going to like them? Oh, you're that old? Or you're that young? I'm not going to hang out with you. So it's, it's not necessary. Would you agree? And, and women, I'm really feeding you today here, helping you out. And if somebody asks you, just look at them politely and say, I don't have to tell you. And this one used to apply only to women, but now we're crossing over. Are you pregnant? <laughs> I'm just terrible thing when you see these memes. You know, now it's like, really? Let me tell you, there ain't a man in the world that can give birth. We are not tough enough. Let me just tell you, this society would be childless if it was up to us. Uh, third thing is... Um, you look thin. Have you lost weight? Never ask that question because they probably put on five. And uh, just never ask that question. Um, this one's really bad, too. I've had this asked, you know, uh, why do you look so tired? I feel refreshed. <laughs> I'm at my best right now. and You're asking me why I look tired. And this one's really, these, you might, I'm just trying to bait you a little bit because some of these you don't think they're a big deal, but they are a big deal if you really think them through. And the problem with many of our lives is we, we create storms because we didn't think before we spoke. And so I'm, I'm going to help you have, help your relationship. This is a marriage course. I'm going to get married someday. It's a course about relationships with bosses and everybody else. So it's not like you look at your boss and say, how did you get this job? You're probably going to be looking for one. So, don't ask the question, what are you doing? Don't, don't ask that question because it's none of your business what somebody's doing. When somebody calls me and says, what are you doing? I'm a, I'm, I typically don't respond. Let me tell you why. When I got my first youth pastor job in South Texas at St. Mark's United Methodist Church, how ironic that I was on staff at St. Mark's. It was a beautiful thing. And 
the pastor's son, of course, I'm a youth pastor, so I'm working for the pastor. Pastor's son calls me one day on Saturday. I thought it was pretty cool. He said, what are you doing? I said, nothing. He said, would you help me move? I've never answered. What are you doing again? <laughs> I don't move people. I don't care if you tell me you're leaving the church if I don't help you. I will help you out the doors. I don't move people. Get that, okay? I don't care how big or small the church is. Knock yourself out. I wouldn't help Susan move. That's only because I want her to stay home. Anyway, never ask that. You say, well, what do I ask then? Say, do you have time to talk? Give them kind of some kind of intro so that they're not, you're not creating this storm. Because that, that created a storm. And I asked the guy when he asked me, the pastor's son, I said, I said well, why are you moving? He said, well, uh, we, we had a snake come in the house and we can't find it. And I thought, I'm surely not helping you. I mean, every piece of furniture we're flipping over, we're going to be looking for a, a venomous snake. I'm thinking, I'm out. You know, it's, it's wonderful getting old when you realize you don't have to be tough. I watch young people be stupid all the time, and I remember those days. Oh, this is one, you know, where have you been? None of your business. You know, well-intentioned people always ask that question, like, I care about you. Well, that doesn't come off as caring to me. Where have I been? It's like, you know, that's not a question you ask somebody. You just say, you know, I've sure missed you. I haven't seen you lately. And usually if they're guilty, they'll start spilling their guts anyway. Well, you know, I like, it's been really funny as a pastor watching, watching responses like that. I used to tell our team, never ask people where they've been. Just suppose that they're on the road to hell and go from there. Just kidding. I'm just kidding. Those are things you don't want to say. Okay, so, oh, this was a good one. You know, you see somebody out of concern again. What's wrong with you? Well, that's, that's just dumb because it implies that there's something right with you and something wrong with them. Well, there's nothing wrong with me. Just ask them, you know, just something like, you know, what happened to you? Are you okay? But don't ask the question, what's wrong with you? Because if there's nothing wrong with them, now they're going to be insecure because they think that you see that there's something wrong with them. If there really is something wrong with them, they'll feel guilty. And, and this is the age-old question that you never really want, want to, to do. And... Just get up every day and, and tell your wife how beautiful she is. Because when she comes and says, does this dress make me look fat? <laughs> if you're having a bad day, say, I don't think it's the dress, honey. Anyway, so I'm just, I'm not, just kidding. It's, just, it's, just, it's one of those that you go, I, my ears are stopped up. What did you say? Um. You know, don't ask that question. That, that creates a storm because if, if your husband's really trying to live for Jesus, he's got to lie. You set him up. Maybe. I don't know. There you have it. Out of the mouths of babes. Literally. Anyway, so <laughs> buy me a new one, sucker. And this is when I first got born again. I didn't, I didn't know much about much. You know, I, I, I just didn't know much. And, and so I got born again in a, one particular denomination. This is back when denominations were really, really a big thing and a big deal. I mean, 
you know, you, you would be baptized, you would be all these other things into that denomination. So when I got born again, I was just glad to be saved. I, I wasn't smart enough to know that every denomination wasn't going to heaven. Because the church I got saved in, we were the only ones going to heaven. I mean, you know, so I, I, I used to ask people, I said, well, what are you? And, you know, I, they said, well, I'm Baptist. I'm Nazarene. I'm Catholic. I'm whatever, you know. And I, I realized that's, that, that question starts fights because some people really are Baptist. They're not Christian. <laughs> I didn't say Baptist for it, but the ones I'm asking were, you know. I, I had a friend. That's what he said. I'm Baptist from the letter B to the letter T. And I thought, well, I'm Christian from the letter C to the letter N. You know, I mean, I, I just thought, you know, to me it was, I, but I realized it, it started a fight. And then they start, you know, you know, asking questions like, well, if you're sprinkled, can you go to heaven? <laughs> I don't know. I'm not Jesus. I would assume if you made him Lord, you're going to heaven. You know, I mean, I, I mean, it's stupid stuff, you know. Do you speak in tongues? You're not speaking to Baptists. And once saved, always saved. You know, all those questions. Everybody messes it up. I'm thinking one thing for sure. If you called on the name of the Lord, you're saved. Now, there will be a lot of people from, from ground zero in flight. They're going to deal with some things, I'm sure. You know, I mean, I'm not, this is not like a license to be stupid, but you don't need one. You were born with it, and everybody is. And so the, the reality is some people say, well, when you say that, once saved, always saved, is, is what you believe that. And I would say, well, I believe there's only one way I'm not going to heaven is if I choose not to. God's not going to make that choice for me. He already made a choice for me to go. That was his choice. Now, if I tell him, I don't want to go, I'm not coming, then I'm sure he'd probably honor that request. No change of flight fees or nothing. I mean, you're just not going. But God's never going to keep you out because, you know, you had a bad month, a bad year, a bad decade. <laughs> you, you know, can I, I mean, so these are all, see, right now, these are kind of storm starters here. Because some of y'all are going, well, this is way too easy. You ought to be thankful it's easy because none of us can work our way there. So how do I, how do I stop the storm starters? By num ask this question, what is the significance or importance of the question I'm about to ask? Why do I want to know? There are questions that you don't want to ask because you don't want the answer to them. Like, officer, how much is the ticket? <laughs> Work them before you ask that question. You know, I always say, when, when you get pulled over, let me give you a little advice. If they, they ask you how fast you're going, tell them 10 miles over what you thought. And they'll shake them up. I caught you at 75 and a 65. Officer, I'm sure I was going 85. He'll have compassion on you because he'll think you're stupid. And you are. So, it's like... There are ways to do things to keep you out of storms. The second one is who, who will the answer benefit? So if you ask a question, is it going to benefit you, the other person, or the relationship? Because there are just questions that don't need to be asked. You know, is if the trash is sitting out in the kitchen, don't ask who's going to take it out. You already know. That's the reason it's setting out. If the person set it out was going to take it, it would have already been taken. So if you don't ask, it'll be there three days from now. Until one of you craters. 
Third thing is, will getting an answer make any difference in my life or in our situation? Will getting that answer make any difference? Sometimes you just don't need to ask. Sometimes you just need to shut up and be quiet. And this is coming from a guy who likes to talk, obviously. I don't feel well I'm preaching because I want to talk. <laughs> I did have a really pretty good radio voice earlier. It was really kind of cool, but it's gotten better. So I'll finish up and finish up. Susan loves it when I get this way. <laughs> you talk loud, I can't. Uh, do I really need to know? Ask yourself those questions. This will help you with all the storms and in your life. You see, even the disciples had a hard time. They, they, they asked Jesus some really, have you ever read what's in red? Yeah. There were some really dumb people back in that day. They would, ask, they would ask Jesus questions that you think nobody's going to ask. They just ask questions. And so in Mark chapter 9, verse 38, teacher said, John, we saw a man driving out demons in your name, and we told him to stop because he was not one of us. Do not stop him, Jesus said. No one who does a miracle in my name can in the next moment say anything bad about me, for whoever is not against me or against us is, is for us. So they were constantly debating, you know, do, you know, they held up a coin with Caesar, or do you pay, you know, da, 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 da. Just dumb questions. Can we, you know, who's going to be seated next to you? There's all these questions were being asked that didn't need to be asked. You know, they're just people oftentimes, we create storms because something happens in our life, and we ask God, why? Don't miss this, because... You know, we, we're more curious about why something happened than what we're to do with what happened. You're always going to have storms in life. You can ask why. I wanted to ask this morning, why do we have a storm on Sunday? Why not Monday? Why do we have time change on Sunday? It, it, I have all these whys, and it, it, it's not important as if I know why. Because they could have made time change on Wednesday, but... That would have messed up the corporate world and not God's world. And preachers have attitudes, trust me. Every time change weekend, we just go, oh, God. And then there's the Sunday after Easter. It's called Black Sunday. Because everybody who loves Jesus comes on Easter, and we won't see him again until Christmas. Yeah. A lot of issues that we deal with, a lot of storms, and your storms may be different than mine, and mine may be different than yours, and different professions offer us opportunities to address different storms. These are just some of ours. The other storms we have to address is that people come to church, and they expect church to be perfect, and, and they just go from one to the other until they find one that fits their personality that's full of gossip and I don't feel totally well today, so please have grace. I'm going to use it too. So the challenge is, is that storms are there to move us off of the foundation of faith that is built on Jesus, not somebody's response, not what somebody done, has done to us, not because of circumstances of life, that we have to stay on the foundation. One way of putting it is stay in your lane. 
Too many times we're running a race and we see somebody else running a race and we like the way they're running the race or the lane that they're in and we shift and we go, hold it, that's not my storm. I'm supposed to stay right here. This is where I'm supposed to be, is running in my lane because there are rewards when I stay in my lane. There was a young woman who dreamed she died and went to heaven. As one of the angels was showing her around a room of the glorious city, she saw a stack of boxes in one corner. Finding her name on them, she asked the angel what it meant. Well, she said, you know, I remember praying for these things when I was on earth. The angel replied, yes. When any of God's children make requests to him, preparations are made to give the answer. But the angels are told that if the petitioner is not waiting for the answer, they are to return with those things and store them in the room. An old prayer proverb says, when you come to the end of your rope, tie a prayer knot and hang on. In other words, don't let the storm move you out of waiting on that answer from God. But when we get caught up in storms, we oftentimes fail to stay where we're supposed to be until we see clearly what God has for us to do. And the reason I say that is oftentimes we start looking for people to blame for our demise, for our difficulty, for our storm. And uh, even if we've done something wrong, we oftentimes, it's our human nature to want to blame someone else. And that creates an, another whole storm. It's so wonderful when you get to the place where you realize the Holy Spirit is a spiritual meteorologist. He's, he's got radar. He's, he works in us to navigate our lives, to keep us moving in the right direction. Um, Every time I fly, and it's frequently, uh, I have an app on my phone that is, it's really very cool. Uh, it's called FlightAware. And if you were to tell me a flight number today, this afternoon, I could tell you the route that the pilots are going to, when they file their flight plan, where they're going to fly. Just recently, I was uh, flying and was coming back from Charlotte, North Carolina, and uh, I looked at the weather radar, and there was massive storms between Charlotte and Oklahoma City. And uh, I got on the plane, and I thought, this is going to be interesting. Because, I mean, it was from, like, Austin, Texas, all the way up to, like, Missouri, almost Illinois. And I thought, this, this is going to be kind of interesting when we get close. Well, as I'm watching the pilot, I could see the flight plan, original flight plan. But when we started getting closer to the storm, we went almost up to Chicago, went around the storm, and came back down. In other words, he said, this is not a storm we want to fly through. Why would we? It's going to take a little longer, but it's going to be a lot more pleasant. Sometimes we get in a hurry and we create our own storms. There have been many times in, in my leadership life, there was a time that I had 75 employees and, and one of them was my very, very dear friend. And the job just wasn't getting done. And I was so frustrated. I was just so absolutely frustrated. I didn't know what to do because he was a lot smarter than me. Uh, he was one of the smartest guys I've ever known, but he wasn't getting the job done. And so I kept waiting on the Lord, waiting on the Lord, waiting on the Lord. Finally, one day I wake up and, and the Holy Spirit said, today, I want you to transition him. Well, I didn't terminate him. I offered him another position where I felt like he could excel. How many of you know sometimes you've got the right person, you're asking them to do the wrong thing? Fish are great in aquariums and in water, but don't ever ask a fish to climb a tree. And so sometimes you have a fish and you try to 
put them on land to climb a tree. It doesn't work. So you try to make it work where you, you create the minimal amount of turbulence in the storm, but you have to wait on the Holy Spirit to give you direction. Now, if you're a type A, it's, you know, you're, you're done. It's just, it's, <laughs> it's great to be a spirit-filled type A. That's most days for me is the case. There are some days I give the Holy Spirit off. <laughs> Never give God a day off. Trust me, it doesn't work well. Uh, just ask Hillary, it does not work well. Anyway, I miss Bill. Gravitate and grab hold of God's presence. Let the Holy Spirit direct you during difficult times. And there will be and there always have been difficult times. And so the thing I tell people is with the, with the routines and realizing what storms are not yours. Sometimes there are storms that happen or come to us. They're not our storms. They're God's. When Jehoshaphat was going up against an insurmountable uh, armies. And, and, and he's thinking there's no way we can win. And God said, send all the musicians and the singers ahead and begin to praise. And when he did, the, the praise created such a disturbance amongst all the armies that were coming against them that they turned on each other. And by the time Jehoshaphat and the Jewish people got to the, the place of, uh, where they were going to have to fight, they'd already turned on themselves. You see, if the Holy Spirit will cause you to not have to go through storms if you will listen to him. There will be storms you can avoid. Avoid That was not Jehoshaphat's storm. God said, this is not yours to fight. This battle belongs to me. And if you'll give it to me and you'll trust me and you'll declare my truths, I'll get you through it. The Osteens have been longtime family friends. I knew Joel when Joel was just, he was just doing stuff behind the scenes. And his daddy was kind of a, to me, he was just a spiritual grandfather. And, and so, uh, he tells the story of when in the late 80s, his mother got uh, diagnosed with metastatic cancer of the liver. She was, it, was, it was a death sentence. They told her, you will not live much longer. It would be weeks, months, maybe at the most. And, and, you know, that creates a pretty big storm in a lot of homes when you think this thing's over, it's done. And so he said, but my mother never allowed the storm to get on the inside of her. Every day that we would get up, we would get up and hear my mother say, by his stripes, I was healed. I will live and not die and declare the glory of God. And that's all he ever heard. The home did not end up in turmoil and chaos. He, Dodie just stayed true. Here she is 40-some years later, well, whole, old, and, and still going fine. Now, this goes back to... Ask what, not why. You say, well, why doesn't everybody get that? Can't answer the why, but I can answer the what. What Dodie did when she got her storm sentence was she continued to declare the word of God so that the storm did not get inside her. She said, this is not my storm. Jesus paid for this storm. He's already dealt with this storm, and I'm giving it back to him. And so often we take those. I've had battles with that the last two years going, God, I don't know what to do. The pandemic, as much as horrible as it was, I don't believe for one minute that the purpose behind it was so people would die because people die all the time. The purpose behind it was to separate and isolate Christians and put them in homes so we couldn't worship together, we couldn't pray together, we couldn't serve together. That was all, it was a demonic purpose. You can't blame this on any party. I mean, political parties are this what we have to understand is 
God is not a Democrat, and God is not a Republican, and God is not an Independent. He is God. And then if we quit getting mad at each other, and we would just believe that God's going to get us through this, everything would be fine. And so now I've irritated absolutely 100% of the people here. Because I'm a Democrat, I'm a Republican, I'm a Christian. Take that. See, I know there are, there, I know all the political stuff going on, but here's the deal. We have to remember that storm was intended to divide and conquer. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. It's what Satan does. And so he used it to divide and, and, and to separate. Many people are not going back to their routines. You're at home watching online. I'm not mad at you. Thank you for watching and not turning me off yet. But the reality is that you, you're never going to be as good as you can be if you're not connected to the body of Christ. Any one of your fingers will work great if they're connected to your hand. Your hand will work great if it's connected to your forearm. Your arm will work great if it's connected to your shoulder. If it's disconnected, it's no less a finger or an arm or a hand it just does not have the power to function as it once did because it's cut off, it's separated. That's why it's called the body of Christ. We need each other to function. Some of you are really great at certain things that I'm not great at. Maybe I'm good at something you're not good at. We all work together to be God's body to the world that says we're going to find ways to love you and help you and get you through your storm. That's what we're called to do. But what we have to realize is there are people out there who stir up storms. I mean, just recently, I mean, we, we came back from the pandemic and we got tried to get everything back on track. And we finally got almost everything on track. And, and uh, you know, we're not where I want to be right now. I could lose my mind over that. I could get unhappy. I could get depressed. We're not where we want to be. We got a lot of programs we want to institute. We got things we want to do. People could come and say, well, you don't have this, this, and this. Well, why don't you be the answer to the question we're asking? Why don't you be the answer to what we need? You see, I can't do everything, but you can do some of the things I can't do. And we work together and it works out. So the storm is, there are always people who talk. I don't know. You know, I, I never wanted my kids to go in ministry because I always felt like it was one of the hardest things to do because you're trying to help people and the people you try to help gossip and talk about you. And I'm okay with that now. I'm just thankful you're talking about me. I appreciate that. If you're talking about me, you're thinking about me. I love you so much. See, some people aren't talking about you, but they're talking about me, and that makes me feel so warm and loved. I love y'all. See, the, the thing is that we, we let storms get on us. I don't care if somebody says, you hear what somebody said about you? No, and you don't need to tell me. Because they want to tell you, you know, I can't believe it. And here's what I did. Don't tell me. I don't care what you said about me. I know what God says about me. And you can have a conversation with him while I'm at the gate. And I can promise you, daddy always takes up for this kid. I mean, he'll probably mess with you a little bit and say, I'm not sure I'm going to let you in. You're talking about my son. Pastor Mark. And I'll be standing right there holding on to his robe, going, talk to him, Daddy. Thank you, man. There was a time when my kids were small, and 
my oldest son, Chris, was riding a bicycle in our neighborhood. And I was at the house studying, and he came in panting, sweating, running. And I said, uh, well, what's wrong? He said, well, these three kids chased me home on a bike. I took my pastor hat off. I put my Dwayne Johnson cap on. I went from Big Rock to Little Rock and not Arkansas. I said, get in the car. He got in the car. And he showed me. I said, now you show me. Take me to the house where they were when they started chasing you. I pulled up in front of that house. And I said, is your daddy home? I said, if he is, go get him. Well, you're not here. I said, let me tell you all something. I ever see you on my street again, I'll take your daddy out, and I'll take all three of you out. You got it? In the name of Jesus Christ. <laughs> and you have feelings like that. Think about God going, you jacking with one of my kids? God said, take me to the house. <laughs> you have a passion when you love somebody. You want to protect them. God loves you. He wants to protect you. He wants to keep you out of those storms. Now, I'm not suggesting that was the right thing to do. And if you're religious, I know right now you don't even want to listen to me because you're so righteous. You would never defend anybody. Yeah, and you're also weak. Okay, so now. I object. Strike that from the record. Okay, no. So when you do these things, when, when you reach out, regardless, you keep doing the routines, you realize I need, to, I, I need to make sure I know what storms I have to deal with. You can become the ruler of every storm that comes your way. I didn't say this was easy, but what I have learned is there are times that you're just quiet. There was a few weeks ago, somebody was saying something about something here. And I heard about it. They said, what are you going to do? I said, I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to let Jesus deal with it. Oh, when you tell somebody, it's okay, I'll let Jesus deal with it. Oh, please, forgive me, forgive me. Forgive me. No, I'll let Jesus deal with it. You sowed poison ivy, you're going to reap scratch. <laughs> you won't die from it, but you're going to itch for a while. You see, your response to storms will reveal your maturity or your immaturity. So here, I'm going to close with this and be done. These are ways you rule the storm. Number one, give thanks in all things. When something bad is going on, there's a storm around you, don't beg God to take the storm away. Give thanks that you're bigger than the storm that you want to go away. So as long as that weather lasts, you're going to be fine. You're going to be fine. Say, because I'm giving thanks. I, I'm not going to give time and give my attention and my energy to something I can't control. And that's what we do oftentimes. We give our energy to things we can't control. We're exhausted because we're trying to fix everything and make every storm go away. And You know, I have a policy with all five of my adult children. And I tell parents this all the time because there are parents who never let their kids grow up. You're in their business all the time. And I'm not boasting, but I had to learn this the hard way. If any of my children, I, I, if I go visit them and there are things I see that I, I think are stupid, you know how that is because you've already been there. You were 28 one time. 
and you start telling them what to do. I don't do that anymore. If I only respond if they ask me a question. Because that's not my storm. That's theirs. And the minute you start telling them what to do, they'll turn you off because they want to grow up like you grew up. Now, the smart ones will ask you questions, and the other ones learn from the school of hard knocks. I, but, but I'm not going to do it because it's not my storm. Secondly, have peace in all things. If you have peace in all things, you won't make the situation worse than what it already is. And, and, and when I start feeling blood pressure rising, and it, you know, in a world like we live today, what most people do, rather than changing the, the, the core of your problem, the, the, we start changing, trying to change the symptoms instead of addressing the cause. And, and there's enough medication out there today for you to address the symptom and not ever have to deal with the cause. I'm a cause guy. If I can, if I can see a problem, I might use something to help me with the symptom, but ultimately I want to address the cause so the symptom doesn't come back. Because I'm telling you, some of the, have you ever sat long enough to watch a commercial about medication? It takes, it takes 45 seconds, and, and, and ultimately it says, and you may die. But when you die, you won't be uncomfortable. <laughs> you'll no longer have pain. No kidding, Sherlock. It's like you'll, you may have diarrhea. You may have all these gross things going on, and you, it could result in death. But we have five other pills to take care of the one that you're taking. So, don't say, I'm never going to change. I'm just going to take blood pressure medicine. That's moronic. It's like, why do you keep having storms in your life? Somebody does something stupid, and you know it's stupid, and it probably is stupid. I mean, it really could be. You could be right. But are you going to change them because you get mad? Probably not. You just might die of heart disease early. That's not a negative confession. I'm trying to help you understand. Be calm. This has been my goal, and I tell Susan all the time. My goal in life is to never get angry again. I haven't arrived, just, just so you'll know. It's like, oh, he's such an angel. Oh, no, I cleaned somebody's clock last week. Anyway, so, but I did repent right after I did it. I said, Jesus, I didn't really respond the way I would have liked to. But it sure felt good. Anyway, so, but I, you, you try to, I mean, I just, I'm just telling you, I'm not going to quit because I'm not perfect. I want to keep on trying and not take medication. Thank you. Number three, testify in all things. In other words, be a voice of hope in a world of doubt. Be a voice of hope. Paul in, in uh, Acts 27, he's preaching while the ship is going down. There's a storm. I mean, it's literally a storm. And everybody's panicking. They're throwing stuff overboard. And Paul's preaching. He's like, I'm keeping my peace I'm giving thanks to God, and I'm telling these other people. I've had this thought. I've been on some flights before where I didn't think we were going to make it. And I thought, if this thing, if they come on and say, you know, get ready for, for something, would I stand up and say, y'all fixing to die up in here? So let me prepare you for the next life. Wouldn't that be cool? But if you landed safely, they're all going to hate you. 
But if they die and they're fluttering up because they listen to you, that's just a thought. Then lastly, deal with things. I'm not saying avoid the storms, act like they're not there, but navigate them appropriately and maturely. Navigate them. It's, it's uh, you know, they're, they're just, we're always going to have these opportunities in life. And you're going to get bigger, you're going to get better, you're going to get stronger. And uh, we just have to, we have to overcome those things. Because, you know, I got up this morning, I'm looking, like I said, I look, I look and I'm going, Why? It, it was like 10 o'clock at night, and i got to come and preach, and I don't feel good. So I'm like, God, why are you doing I had a moment, but I stopped it. I caught myself, and I went, I'm just going to go preach. I'm just going to go preach. I'm not going to quit because there are clouds. This is Oklahoma. I knew it was going to change. It's probably 80 and sunny, and people are swimming and golfing right now. It's always amazed me. They were probably golfing. It's, church is the only place you can't go if the weather's bad. <laughs> well, you know, Pastor, the weather was bad. Yeah, I saw you at Target, Knucklehead. Anyway, so. <laughs> oh, do not lie. Anyway, I just want, I want us to be able to enjoy the life God has so wonderfully given to us. And if everything is a crisis, and we make everything a crisis, we'll never enjoy life. You know, the reality is that nobody gets out of this thing alive. So enjoy it until that day comes. Enjoy your life. Be at peace. You're not perfect. You're never going to be. If you caused your storm, guess what? You're not alone. We've all caused our own storms. So reach out and say, I was such an idiot. Here's what I did. Nobody's fault but my own. And they'll look. And you know what? People learn more from your failures and your flaws than they do how great you are and how successful you are. Because they failed too. Many, if not most millionaires, have been bankrupt. They just get up and say, I'll do it again. I'll do it again. Keep on going. Let's pray. Father, thank you for being the master of our lives and in reality the master of our storms. With you in us, God, with your spirit that raised your son from the dead. You said if he lives in us, he'll also quicken our bodies. So, Lord, I pray for all those going through storms today. Lost loved ones, lost jobs, lost relationships, whatever it might be. This is not the end. Death is not the end. All the things that we're facing are not the end unless we choose to make them the end. And we choose not to. We choose to believe that everything in our world is able to be resurrected. And we know for sure, according to your word, that if we die, we'll live. Resurrection is a promise you've given us. I pray not only for the resurrection of the dead, but the resurrection of relationships and dead dreams and jobs and businesses and lives and churches, God. Breathe life into institutions, individuals, families. Breathe life, God. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I want to pray a simple prayer that will make a world of difference. If you've not received Christ, you can pray this prayer and it will make all the difference in the world. It will give you hope. It will help you to know how much God loves you. 
and it will show God how much you love him by putting your trust in him. Let's pray this together. Say, Father God, thank you for sending your son to die on the cross for my sin. Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. Today, I give my life to you. I repent of my sin. And I declare today, I am forgiven. I am going to heaven when I die. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time or to recommit your life, I'm going to ask you to text the word SAVED, 405 Just text the word SAVED. Trust me, even as you're texting, you're going to have a smile on your face. Hello, this is Pastor Mark Crow. I just want to take a quick moment to thank you for joining us online. We hope you have a blessed week this week and get to be a blessing to those around you. I want to invite you to join us at Mosaic Church OKC next week at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. or join us online. God bless you.